my fellow sophisticated creatives. Welcome to JCV Art Studio from the dressing room. As you heard, Ozzy is in the studio with me. We create this podcast on the traditional territories of the Halat First Nations. And I really hope I am doing, pronouncing that correctly. Today, I'm excited to have the author of the children's book, Little Wolf, Little Wolf, Tioni Spithhofer, on the podcast. Tioni is a member of the Halshuk Nation from the BC coast. Since childhood, Tioni has loved immersing herself in her own culture and learning about other cultures. Tioni has worked as a publicist, a radio, journal, radio journalist, host and producer, and an arts and music writer. She is truly a creative. Tioni's documentary, Tioni's Dream, was informed by her mother's residential school experience, and it has aired nationwide on CBC Radio. Her photography has been featured across various media and privately sold. She has been blessed with three daughters and four grandchildren, and she lives in Souk, BC. And what our listeners don't know, this is about the fifth time we're trying this because we have got really crappy weather and our technology is not on our side. Tioni, welcome. Thank you, Joanna. It's an honor to be here. And we have conquered those challenges. Yes. Uh, now, of course, I've got my dog who's who's wanting to express his voice. So, Tioni, thank you very much. Um, I know I should have I should have contacted you through your publicist. So I appreciate you answering my my Facebook message. Um, my pleasure. My pleasure. Now, because I like to learn and want to learn, can you tell me about the Heltshuk Nation? and where it's located. Sure, so um, Bella Bella, or as we refer to it as Wagusa, is located between the northern tip of Vancouver Island and the southern tip of Potiguay. In fact, when you leave Bella Bella by plane to the north, you will see the tip of Potiguay and it's gorgeous there as well. So that's where it's located. Um, it's been proven and carbon dated that our Ancestors, my family, go back 14,000 years in that area. Wow. Yeah, I love it. I love it. So that's my family. All those oh, that, gosh, to have that history, that, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's very nourishing, actually, because on the other side of my family, which is um, European, we have um, documentation going back 400 years of my family there even living in that same house. It's grown and changed and evolved over the time. But because our culture tradition is oral, we don't have that. Uh, so I can only go back to my great, great grandparents and then it's quiet, but it's okay because I know my ancestors and my family are there. Good, good, yeah. okay. So that gives me great comfort. I, I could see that, yeah, yeah. So, before we talk about your children's book, Little Wolf, I listened to Tioni's Dream, and 
you have a really good radio voice. Not that I'm I'm a pro at any of this, but it your voice is so easy to listen to. Uh, you're a creative, and like I said, I think you have a voice for radio. Um, and can we talk a little bit about Tioni's dream? Sure. Okay. So that was inspired by a dream I had. I never even thought of calling it Tioni's dream, but an award-winning producer I worked with out of Toronto, Steve Wadhams, who is now retired, came up with the name. And truly, that's what it, it all started from a dream, which is one I had was a First Nations dream. And it brought information, it brought healing information for my family. It confirmed that I was on the right path with the work I was doing at the time. And I was learning about my mother's residential school experience in more detail. And she and I had even made one presentation at my youngest daughter's school before she passed. So that was a blessing. And she got to hear, hear the, uh, the end result of Tune's dream as well. Okay. Okay. And I listened to it on Living Out Loud on CBC Radio. And I'll include the link to on in the show notes oh great yeah yeah and i found it heartbreaking uh there's a point there where i don't know exact i think it's your it might be your mother's voice i'm not sure where she refers to that she was just referred to as a number which just it it it, that breaks my heart and uh, so I found it heartbreaking. I found it peaceful in spots. I found it haunting and I found it beautiful. These were all emotions I felt. I loved the sound of the waves. I loved the giggles of children. And your voice comes in dreamlike. And then you have private conversations with you and your daughter. I learned about Firewoman and how her hand touches the water and water sizzles. And I just thought your culture sounds so magical. And I will always remember from now on, uh, whenever I see a fire and I see smoke, I will always think of Gioni's dream because you say that prayers are carried on smoke. Wow, that's a lot. You you really... uh observed and listened really well closely to that because it's all audio you know in a world where we're so used to visual to actually tune into something and to hear and to only have the audio takes more concentration and when you fully put yourself in there you can get so much from whatever you're listening to and i feel like you definitely got a lot from that so we'll just start with one thing you mentioned the waves and that was really interesting. At the time, I was living on the Sunshine Coast with my family. We grew our family up there. And I went out. I wanted. To, I did a lot of the sound effects for that. Uh, the producer added the children laughing in the background, which I just love. But I went to the beach, a couple of beaches, to record the waves. And depending on what type of beach you were at, a sandy beach or rocky beach, you get a different sound. Okay. And then I was going in the middle of the day in the summertime. So I'm getting boats in the background i'm getting weed eaters and you know <laughs> so i said all right so this is not going to work at this time of the day so to get those ocean sounds i was at that beach at five in the morning and it's a beach along the seashell waterfront in fact uh, part of the seashell nation waterfront 
So I recorded that. And then when the piece was aired, I took a copy of it to my friend, an elder with the Seychelles Nation, and he lived right on the water, overlooking Georgia Strait, beautiful location. It's almost built the year I was born. And I played it for him and it's like Gilbert Joe when he's on. And when it was over, he sat there so intently, listened to everything. And when it was over, the first thing he said was, the waves. Where did you get the waves? Yeah. And I said, right at the end of your speech, Gilbert. He said, I knew I recognized that. His was a rocky shore, lots of little rocks. The kind where your feet sink down with each step, you know? Yeah. And he said, I recognized that beach. Well, he lived there for over 50 years at that point. Yeah. So that was really cool. That was amazing to get his feedback on that. And and he, it, you know, it hit him in a deep place and it's very happy that he got to hear it. I'm really happy that I was able to record my mom. Yeah. Uh, my mom just died a couple of years after that. So she was able to hear the end of the song. Um, and, you know, I'm happy that I have been talking to my daughter, my daughter. Uh, my mom shared her stories not only with me when I was growing up, but also with my daughter. But the tone of her stories changed. With me, she was still very angry and encouraged. And I understood that more as I grew and the older I got. And then speaking with Chief Robert Joseph, uh, he's now with Reconciliation Canada, amazing man who does such great work. They went to residential schools together. So he's on the front lines. And uh, I, I met with him and spoke with him. Uh, he just shed so much light on the situation for me. Uh, that, was, that was really amazing. Firewoman came to me in my dreams. And what a powerful woman she was. Just amazing. A healer. She brought a dream of healing. Yeah. Ever so grateful to have her come to me in my dream. I, I can't record this podcast without expressing to you how saddened I am and horrified about what happened at the residential schools. And I'm very, and I, I'm, I feel like by saying I'm sorry, it is not enough. I am, I am very sorry. You know, it is a beginning and I appreciate that. I appreciate the compassion that people from the non-Indigenous community are feeling and it is a beginning at the beginning place the acknowledgement has to happen i feel first and foremost we need to honor those children yeah. those beautiful little souls and uh, hopefully soon they will be able to go home to their their home territories and their people their bands will honor them in the way they deserve to be honored and have proper ceremony and burial so until, until that time, we do need to send those prayers. It's never too late. I feel across the decades, they will feel our love. Okay. And uh, so, yeah, be moved by your heart. Definitely. Don't ignore that. And don't feel like it's not enough. It's where we all need to start. Okay. And after that, after that, you know, we need to support politicians, organizations who are calling for residential schools across the country to be searched. Uh, to have the ground search because I grew up with this information. My mom went to the schools, her cousins, my aunts and uncles. I heard whispers of stories that they thought as children there was a marked grave at their schools. They also uh, 
have children disappear from their schools, from their classes, and we're not told anything about them. The families weren't told what happened to them. So I feel there are more graves than people that are. So uh, that work needs to be done. Having said all that, I wasn't shocked to hear about the 215 bodies discovered in Kamloops. I was very sad. I was horrified by that. I'm yeah. not shocked because as First Nations person, you grew up knowing that was a problem. Oh, God. So moving forward, though, offer those prayers, open your hearts, and sign those petitions, write those letters, be part of the change and yeah. the, the justice that needs to happen. Okay. Okay. Thank you. With your book, well, actually, first, with Tioni's dream, I almost got the feeling that you're having these dreams and it was, was it like a calling, this calling that you, you have to, you needed to produce Tioni's dream? Definitely. I felt that my ancestors, that firewoman, were bringing me a message that needed to be shared. And in, throughout my life, I've always loved my dream and in First Nations culture around the world. It is uh, a revered, a revered event. Our dreams can bring us information that's current. They can bring us uh, historical information, healing information, inspiring information. So I feel like it hit all those points. And I woke up from that dream and I had to write about it. At five in the morning, I was writing it down. I didn't want to forget a, a piece of it. I wanted it on paper so i would always remember that and i knew i had to do something with it i wasn't sure what at that time okay but okay. it came with me <laughs> good good all right so you now have your novel i shouldn't say novel children's book little wolf and i'm wondering how did how did it come together um was you know we always hear about the initial spark so did it come together through a dream or was there a life experience that made you think, okay, I've got an idea for a children's book? Again, very fortunate to have received a dream. That dream appears in book three of the trilogy. Little Wolf is the first book. Yeah. So I built upon that and went back in time then and came up with the first book in the trilogy, which is Little Wolf. And then there's white, great white, sorry, white raven. And the third is Avalon and Walden. But the trilogy started with Sparked by a Dream. Again, woke up, wrote it all down. Wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do with it. Took a while to get back to sleep because I was so sparked, so inspired. Um, but then it became clear that I wanted to write about, uh, write from that dream. And through the magic of the pen, I'm able to, I was able to incorporate the experiences of three generations of the women in my family, starting with my mom, myself, and then my daughters. So the character of Little Wolf is a blend of three generations of women. Nice. Yeah, rather than having three different characters, I blended all of that into one. Nice. Okay. So... Can you give the listeners a little bit of an idea of what Little Wolf is about? Sure, Little Wolf is a 
about a young girl three minutes from the country to the city. It's overwhelming for her. She misses the country. She misses her wild animals. Uh, she meets challenges along the way, things like racism. Um, she has a lazy eye, which she's able to work with. Uh, so I'm feeling of isolation. But through the eyes of the child, she meets all of those challenges, even adopts a rescue dog. Um, so I'm hoping that Indigenous children across the country and around the world may see themselves in some of that, because one of the things, of course, is being in the city and needing to connect with your culture. So her mom makes sure she goes to beating classes. She takes part in West Coast dancing and hears the stories of their ancestors, of their families. So she meets challenges and overcomes them. And so I'm hoping also through the magic of the connections with animals that children will be nourished by that. Children are almost always love yeah. And I myself still love encounters with animals. I have a hummingbird feeder on my deck so that my grandkids when they're sitting down for me, I see hummingbirds and they get so excited. They're only two. There's two of them and they love to see the hummingbirds. They get all excited and uh, we'll be outside and I talked to the ravens and yesterday we were just in Langford in a parking lot and my young grandson heard a raven and he started making the raven sound. And so then my granddaughter started making them, and so did I. We <laughs> were standing there with their moms, my daughters, and uh, yeah, they just feel such a, a kinship with animals. Excellent. Excellent. All right. So I always like reading the acknowledgments in a book. And you thank Johnny for asking, how do you always spot wildlife everywhere you go? And that is a question in your book. And I was wanting to know what the story was behind that question, because there has to be, uh, there has to be, there has to be. <laughs> <laughs> there is, there is. So when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in Vancouver for a big portion of my life. My mom was a single mom. So we would take the bus out for his cousin and his children. So we would take the bus out there to visit them and, I would sit on that bus and I'd just be looking out at the fields and looking for hawks and herons and, and always, even as adults, driving through that area and doing the same thing. So again, the magic of the country. My one of my best friends and her son and I were driving through that area. The Delta, Richmond, you know, Tawas and those big fields there. And from the back seat, Johnny says to me one day. How do you always see wildlife everywhere you go? Because he would be with us and I'd say, oh, look at there's, you know, over there. And oh, look at this. And so it amazed him because he didn't see it. But until I pointed, it started pointing him up. So really, I brought a current character, my best friend's son, into that story and incorporated him into the scene of going to the cousins and gave him the role of being my cousin asking me. And uh, my cousins weren't with me on the bus. Yeah. But wow. Yeah, so it's it's fun. Little Johnny, he was great. He would always join us these days. But I needed to bring him in on. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now in Little Wolf, um Little Wolf, that's the character. 
and she goes to school and the school are making fun of Little Wolf's indigenous heritage. And I'm just going to give you a warning, Tioni. Um, I heard a car pull up outside, so we may get some barking. If we do, I will repeat the question. Okay. So Little Wolf is our heroine. She goes to school and the kids in school are making fun of Little Wolf's indigenous heritage. And you write that Little Wolf didn't know what to say. And she finds herself howling, howling at the top of her lungs. Lungs. Her wolf song made the mean kids go away. And I interpreted that by Little Wolf howling, it was like she was using her own voice to speak out against the nasty kids and the bullies. And and I wanted to know if that Am I close at all in that interpretation or am I totally off? Oh, no, 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 definitely you're, you're on. Uh, so in that scene, she's surrounded by kids who are older than her. And so that throws you. She's not really sure what to do and how to deal with the situation. And as with all things, you know, it happened really quickly at school. And, uh, so Earlier on in the book, you see Little Wolf howling at the full moon, and she's sitting on her grandmother's steps in the city. And that was that was an important part of the book because when she's doing that, she's longing for the nature and the animals that she misses that she doesn't see in the city. And shortly after she's moved to the city, and through that moment, she gives herself the name of Little Wolf. She's howling at the moon, and it it brings her inner strength to be in the city uh, because she's not with those animals in the countryside. So it gives her courage and strength. And so that's what comes out in the scene when she's surrounded by the children. Yeah. Um, She doesn't really know what to say to them. She's actually only eight years old in that scene. Okay. So even though it's not said, that actually did happen to me. And that's how I dealt with it. So through the eyes of a child, that's what happened. I dealt with it. And it worked. (laughs) Um, And it's really interesting because I have girlfriends who I've been friends with since elementary school and high school who've all been really excited for this book to come out. And one of them just received the book two days ago. And she wrote to me and said how much she loved the book and she's read it over and over and can't wait to read it and share it with her grandson. And then she said, but I have to ask you, the scene where Little Wolf is surrounded by the children and they're beaming to her and she's experiencing racism, did that happen at our school? Because if it did, I would have said something if I'd known. And I said, oh, first of all, thank you all these years later for being such a good friend and checking on me. Yeah. I said, in fact, that happened at the first elementary school I went to. This girl was from my second elementary school. And she was so relieved because she would have felt the guilt of not knowing it happened. Yeah. And I just said, no, no, no it didn't happen there. But thank you for yeah. your concern and your support. Yeah. So it's really, I wondered if any of those girls would have anything to say about that scene. Because yeah. we go back so far. Yeah. And so it was, it was really great for me to hear that. Good, good. So, can I ask what is a wolf song? 
Oh, it's just the howling. Okay. For me, it was just the howling, just howling at the moon like a wolf. Yeah. But internally, that brought her so much strength and connection. Yeah. That that's that's her wolf song. Okay. Okay. That's neat. And sometimes I, you know, I think okay, well, that's going to that might sound like a silly question, but every time I ask a question, which in my head. I think might sound like a silly question. I always get an amazing answer. Oh, you know? Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I feel there are no silly questions. Good. So bring them on. Okay. <laughs> now I particularly like the part when little wolf is walking in the city along the seawall and she spots an otter and I had an, an experience that was similar when we lived in Victoria I was walking across the Johnson Street Bridge and I just happened to look over the railing and there was an otter on its back, just cruising down the gorge, you know? Mm -hmm. And when I was reading your book, gosh, I should have worn red because Little Wolf (laughs) says she should wear red, right? Well, I was wearing, that happened. I was wearing my red. Yeah? Yeah. Okay, because I thought maybe I'd see the otter more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Now, and I'm wondering... You write about nature and you definitely, I definitely got the sense that nature gives little wolf peace. And um, I'm wondering if you're also wanting young readers to respect and appreciate nature. Yeah, definitely. I feel that uh, when children are young, they see that magic of nature a lot. A lot easier than adults do. And so if they grow up with an appreciation for nature, for animals, that they'll carry that with them throughout their lives. And not only appreciate, but respect. And at times help to protect those animals or that land. But yeah, magic is definitely a big thing for children when they connect with animals. Whether it's a bird that they see, and they might see those birds every day. Are they lucky enough to see bigger creatures? Could be deer in the neighborhood. They could be out on a boat and see orcas or dolphins, all of which are so powerful and just also very calming them too. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Now, little wolf and her mom, they go to beading class and she sews beads on the tanned moose hide and beads a necklace. Little wolf learns about her family who've lived on their territory, and like you said, for over 14,000 years, Mm -hmm. as well as learning they are ocean people. And can you let our listeners know, and me know, and what ocean people are? Sure. So for instance, our band, our people, our ancestors are recognized for making beautiful canoes, sturdy canoes, that had to carry them throughout our large territory to uh, various times of the year and seasons to hunt, to gather certain foods, uh, to go to seasonal living places. So ocean peoples had those canoes, had access to those canoes because they built them. And they lived off and with the ocean and with the seasons. Every day, very connected to the ocean. Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Okay. And Little Wolf also learns about other cultures. And there is an illustration, and we will talk about the illustrations in the book too. There is an illustration showing Little Wolf reading. And Little Wolf refers to it as a sad book written by Martin Luther King Jr. about the Black people being enslaved and wanting peace for all the colored people. You mentioned the book gives Little Wolf hope. And I was wondering, are you trying to also show hope for First Nations as well? Like that with that passage in there? Well, with regards to that scene, um, Little Wolf has already experienced racism. Yeah. And so for her to then find this book in the library and to learn about another culture who has also experienced racism, and then to have it presented by a man who is not just wanting justice for his people, but for all people, all colors, all people in the world. I remember just feeling so inspired by that. I identified with that right away yeah. and and just felt like I had a new friend through this book. Yeah. And that it's possible to have people live in harmony. Yeah. So you know, taking it in terms of how things happen in the book and, and how it happened for her. It, it was just that, you know, she was identifying with another culture and, and their hardships, but also being inspired by that, that okay. things came about it. Yeah, yeah, okay, okay. Now, did you have an idea, like I'm thinking about the illustrations and the, the, these illustrations are beautiful. And I'm hoping I can get your illustrator, Natasha Davies, on the podcast as well. Oh, I'm sure she'd love to take part of Good. So, good. So I was wondering, how did you and Natasha meet? And did you pick Natasha to do the illustrations? Okay. So I was looking for an illustrator, and my daughters knew that. I was having some challenges finding someone I wanted. I felt like it would be really... Mm, helpful for the book and the theme to have a First Nations illustrator. So my daughter, who lives here in Sioux, saw a couple murals that Natasha and her mother had done, and she took photos and she said, Mom, look yeah. at this. So I researched uh, Natasha and her mom and contacted Natasha and uh, told her what I was doing. And she was very interested and very keen to come on board, which I was thrilled about because I, I really like her artwork. And so as far as the scenes go, I had I had ideas in my mind. Yeah. And then of course we listened with her and also uh, the great editor at Heritage House Publishers who publishes the Lara Cordage. We uh, worked on some of the scenes together for sure. They had to work from a book publishing perspective. So, okay. uh, but basically she, she just gave me the reins uh, with regards to the illustrations and working with the illustrator. And then when we were done, we would present them to her. But we had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with suggesting this is what I see. And then Natasha going, well, okay, well, how about trying this? And 
just the collaboration yeah uh, has, has worked really well good 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 well when i look at the illustrations i see the traditional artwork and then i also like to me it's presented in i say a contemporary new fashion and am i off base with that interpretation or no you are right on actually uh it i felt it it was a contemporary story but it has roots okay. so there needed to be the element of being contemporary as well as the nod to tradition to the art to bring that through because that's the roots of the story and uh, anyone who's familiar with Vancouver, you know, for instance, from the front cover, you're most likely going to recognize landscape rich and in the background and little wolf wandering along the seawall there and there's the otter. I also wanted to have that recognition for people that this is a BC story. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. I see our listeners can't see it, but I see the, the book behind you and it's so cool it's so well done yes so the message what message are you hoping young readers will walk away with after reading little wolf and i think every adult should also read little wolf <laughs> that's funny you say that because i have i have friends uh, throughout across canada who have read the book and actually internationally as well and uh, a lot of adults have just reread it yeah. uh, because they love it um, yeah. it you know, I feel it brings some inspiration. Yeah. Um, and Little Wolf meets those challenges that come her way. And, you know, it, it gives her hope. That very last scene where Little Wolf is wearing the top that her mom brought her for her grade eight school pictures. Um, she's, it's, it's in the book. And on it, you see girls from different cultures around the world in traditional dress. It's a little dated, as you can tell from the First Nations outfit, just uh, around thinking and time period. But it's included anyway. Uh, I still have that t-shirt. And it's really interesting because all through my girls, that's the points of their life when we were growing up, wanted to wear it. <laughs> and um, so they've all worn that. I still have that t-shirt. So it's, it's, you know, it's a nice little grounding that you can still have. But I, I hope that the children realize that even children can meet challenges yeah. in their day-to-day -day lives and overcome them. Yeah, good. And yeah. also see the magic in the world at the same time. That's a beautiful, that's really just, that's a beautiful story. Mm -hmm. Challenges as a child and also seeing the magic. That's, that's a beautiful story. Thank you. Thank you. It's been an honor to write. Yeah. For me, all I've wanted to do was to share these stories. Now, this book is the first in a trilogy. The second book, White Raven, is being published in September. That's right. Okay. Now, if you're interested, I would love to have you back on the oh, podcast. Definitely. I'll be back. For sure. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. Natasha would like to come on as well with you if she was interested. and. It would yeah, be. We can definitely run that by her for sure. Okay. Sure. Now, uh, book number two, just so you know, I can give you a little info about that. Yeah. It is called White Raven, and in it, 
White Raven is Little Wolf's mom, and we learn about her residential school experiences. And uh, very timely, you know, considering the events that have happened in the news recently. For me, of course, living with this knowledge uh, and experiences all my life, I just felt it was really important to share. And I'm hoping that going forward, there will be more interest. Yeah, uh, continued interest, shall we say, on the topic. So, um, and again, you know, through the eyes of a child, we see these experiences um, and then uh, how it affects the family, just moving forward in life. But again, sharing information is important to me, but also meeting people, readers, feeling inspired is yeah. also very important. Okay, okay. So, Tiani, where can people find you on social media? And is there anything you would like to add? Anything? Okay, so um, you can find me on Facebook. And I'm also on Instagram. Um, I believe, oh yes, I have a Twitter account, but to be honest, I never check in on it. <laughs> and yeah, what else am I on that I'm forgetting about? Oh, LinkedIn. Oh, I'm not very good at checking on that one. I probably should, but. Uh, the big ones for me are, are definitely Facebook and also Instagram. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I will find you on there. I'm on, I'm on those two and I'm on. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. I okay. know I need to make more of an effort to remember to check in on my <laughs> Uh Yeah. So I should probably do that. Um, and in closing, um, I would just like to hope that any little people that we share this book with, are inspired to to stay on the journey they find themselves on and to feel good about their journey. Yeah. And if they do have challenges, there are ways you know, to overcome those challenges and still see the beauty and the magic in the world. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, definitely. And I really encourage I really encourage people to, to listen to Tioni's dream. It, 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 I remember I was sitting on at the kitchen table and I had my little earphones plugged in and just, you know, close your eyes and just listen. And it, it does it. You, you take, I, you take us, you just, you take the mind away from what's going on here. So I really do hope people listen to Tioni's dream and I will have it on the show notes. So oh, thank you so much. And that was an honor to make that sure. Good, good. Well, Tini, thank you for coming and we did it. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a reminder, it's Tioni. And yes, we overcome our challenges today yes. with our computers and uh, yeah. and apps that are supposed to work. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thanks for your patience. And yeah. it's been an honor to talk with you today. So thank you. Well, it's been an honor to talk with you too, Tioni. Thank you. I'll talk again. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye.